You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. We are now ending or concluding this series entitled Unwavering. It is really a story of this man who God called out of his old country to move into a new country. And he said, through you and your offspring, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And how many of you know who I'm talking about? Abraham, okay? His name is Abraham, right? He's also known as the friend of God. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you, right? So let us praise the Lord. Amen. All right. So if you know that song, you grew up in church. Yung iba sa inyo, hindi alam ko ano pinasasabi ko, okay lang yan, okay? And so we're going through the life of Abraham and how God has called out this obscure man, 75 years old, coming from the land of Ur, and then he called him out, supposedly alone, and yet he brought his father and his nephew, and they settled in a land called Haran. You remember the story. I'm just giving you a quick recap. And so they went to Haran. Eventually, God once again reminded him, you are not supposed to be here. Go and leave your country, your father's household, and leave your people, and go to a place I will show you. And finally, they ended in Canaan. And when they were in Canaan, God called him to stay in Canaan. However, there was a famine in the land. By the way, uh, we talked about a particular word before. Remember that word, that leave word in Hebrew? Lechlecha. Lechlecha means to leave for yourself. Okay, To leave and actually leave behind your old ways, your old mindset, your old uh, worldview and go to a new land because I will bring you there with new mindset, new worldview, new character, and that's exactly what salvation is all about in Christianity for all of us. And we see that there's a parallelism between our walk with God and Abraham's walk with God. And there's so many things that happen in Abraham's life. You know, from the time that they separated with Lot to the time that he actually defeated and rescued Lot uh, before the four kings. God established a covenant uh, with him, and then he tried to help God. And, you know, Sarah gave Hagar, and eventually they had Ishmael, and then they had a covenant of circumcision. And then finally, at the age of 99 years old, God told him, now you are ready to have a son. How many of you know that it pays to wait for the promise of God. And when he was 99, one year later, finally at the age of 100, God gave him the son of promise, Isaac. And this is where we pick up the story. We're going to be reading from Genesis chapter 22. So if you have your Bibles, beginning in verse 1 to verse 19. So medyo mahaba to, ah. okay? Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. 19. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. And he said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham 
said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them, together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, My father! And he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide. Everybody say those three words. God will provide. For himself, the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar. There and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and he said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide as it is said to this day, on the mountain of the Lord, it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son. I will surely, everybody say surely. I love that word surely, okay? I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men and they arose and went together to Beersheba and Abraham lived at Beersheba. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, teach us today how to have the same kind of faith like our father Abraham. May we trust you in the most difficult situations in our life. Help us to be strong, God, in the tests that we're going through. As we learn to surrender, Lord, may we know that you're always a faithful God, faithful to the promise that you gave us, faithful to do, and you're able, not only you're willing, but you're able to do everything that you've said to us. Even as Joshua declared in Joshua 21 verse 45, not one word of all the good promises that the Lord has given to Israel had failed. Everyone has been fulfilled and all came to pass. And so Lord, we thank you, Lord God, as we Lord, uh, study the preaching of your word. May your Holy Spirit encourage your people today, whatever testing, whatever situation we're in, God, I thank you, Lord, that you will sustain us. And by faith, we thank you, Lord God. We will respond just like the way Abraham responded. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so to give you just uh, you know, a final picture of what he has gone through, you've seen this before. And this more or less summarizes the life of Abraham that you know, it's not a linear, straight-up walk with God. We see that Abraham's walk with God 
was not as steady as he wanted it to be. It was more like a roller coaster, you know, up and down, up and down. But you see that the pattern is, as he is recovering from his fall or mistakes, God restores him back and he puts a little bit more trust and a little bit more faith in the Lord. So his faith and his trust component or factor is increasing every time he goes up the ladder of his journey with the Lord. So here we see that he is now on the final stage. Now he had Isaac. When he had Isaac, he was about 100 years old. And the Bible says in chapter 22, verse 1, after all these things, we don't even know how long that took. Some theologians are estimating that maybe at that point in time, Isaac was probably about maybe uh, late teens, maybe 15, to maybe around 30 years old as an adult. So that's like the timeline that they're giving uh, Isaac. And by this time, maybe Abraham is about 120, 130 years old. So how many of you know that by this time, Abraham was really old? And Isaac is also a young man or maybe a young adult. So we see that in verse 1, God tested Abraham again. After all these things that he has gone through, when he was thinking that he's already about to retire and about to enjoy life, and about to just enjoy, you know, just looking at his son grow up and become a young man before he gets married. He just wants to sit back in his rocking chair and enjoy the apostolic ministry maybe later on. Okay, uh, uh, Lolo mode. But yet, God once again called Abraham to attest. And how many of you know that life is like that? Life is always full of surprises. And how many of us have gone through some tests lately? If you own an iPhone or a Samsung, how many of you know that that gadget that you have went through some series of tests? How many of you own a gadget? Please raise your hand. Raise up your gadget. Come on, raise up your gadget. Okay, raise up your cell phone. Okay, raise it up right now. Okay, okay turn it to silent mode. <laughs> Mag-selfie muna kayo ng katabi mo, okay? Selfie muna kayo. Selfie muna kayo. Yeah, yeah. Selfie muna kayo, okay? And then turn it to silent mode, and then we're all going to enjoy. But you know, I have a point here. That that particular gadget that you're holding right now went through a lot of tests. Like for example, if you're holding an iPhone, you know, they have a few blocks away from the Apple campus in Cupertino, California. There is actually a building that all they do is to test the new product of Apple. And they would put these products into different kinds of tests. In this particular test, you will see a twisting test. They will try to determine what is the threshold of every gadget that they bring out from their factory or from their plant. There is what you call the drop test. I don't know how many drops they do before a product is you know, brought out. There is a drop test maybe... Uh, 5 feet, 10 feet, I don't know, 20 feet. How many of you have dropped your, your, your cell phone lately? How many of you have dropped your cell phone at least once or twice? Please raise your hand. How many of you are grateful that it's already Bakit siya buo? Eh, kasi tinest yan eh. Had it not been tested, it would have not survived the drop. But since, because of your negligence, and they went through the test, the drop test, 
your iPhone or Samsung or Vivo or whatever gadget that is, or Nokia 5110, okay, is still alive because it went through such tests. It goes through a million tapping tests in order for them to know the tension of the gorilla glass that it has before it breaks. If you are an iPhone, this is the last place on earth you want to be in. You will actually go through several pressure tests, tapping tests, moisture tests, wet tests. If you own a car, it goes through what you call a crash test or a collision test. Okay? It's not fun to be in the driver's seat after that, right? They say that if you own a Volvo, it's the safest car to drive. I don't know if that's really true. But there's another test that is brought about, you know, done with the young people called the marshmallow test. How many of you are familiar with the marshmallow test? What they did was they actually brought several young people. This is actually a nursery near Stanford. And what they did was they took several kids, I think primary level in their school, and brought them into a room. And all they did was to put a marshmallow on a plate on top of a table, and they promised the child, if you do not eat this marshmallow, I'm going to double the price. So you'll not just have one marshmallow after the waiting period, but you'll have two marshmallows after the waiting period. Guess what happened to the children? It was torture for the kids. They are looking and staring at the marshmallow. They're pinching the marshmallow. They are smelling the marshmallow. They are licking the marshmallow and then putting it back. And this particular kid put the marshmallow in his mouth and then put it back. <laughs> you should see the video. It's funny. Why is that? Because in his mind, I will get double the marshmallow if only I can wait. The point was, they were being taught delayed gratification. And they found out that those kids who graduated, who actually passed the test, have better decision-making capabilities in life later on in the future. In fact, they followed some of the children, you know, later on after the test, and they followed them even through college. That they, those who passed the test got higher SAT exam uh, results. And so, you know, somehow this test will show you how much of a person you are made of. And so this particular boy, when the teacher came back and the marshmallow is actually there still on the table, despite the fact that he actually did everything there, gave him another marshmallow and in less than a second, he devoured both just in one swallowing. And it was worth it for him. Tests in life. We go through life's tests. Remember the time when you went through a test when you were maybe in high school or in college? How many of you love tests? How many of you favorite new test exams? Because I've been a teacher, okay, I want you all to get one whole sheet of pad paper. Remember that? Nanginginig na ako noon. Oh man, especially if it's a surprise quiz. We don't like tests. But somehow we need to go through tests because tests determine whether we need to progress in life or not. You can only move on to the next level after passing certain tests. In reality, life is a test. If you're married, you are a test. Lord. Testing talaga sa akin tong misis ko. Huwag naman ganun, okay? Simple lang naman, okay? 
you know, as a single person, you know, maybe graduating from college, how many of you know that now living on your own as a single is a test? Maybe you have a new job, managing your own finance. Maybe you've moved out of the house. It's a test. The way you take care of your room is a test. Yung iba sa inyo, hindi naglilinis ng kwarto, may ahas sa ilalim ng kama niyo. It's a test. Starting a family is a test. Getting married is actually a test. Handing a relationship is a test. If you're not faithful with friendship, how can God bring you into deeper friendship? It's a test. Come on now. Finances. Handling finances is a test. You know, these are some life skills, but maybe on the other hand, you'll also be tested with trials or challenges, maybe like a sickness. That can also be a test. Maybe a failure in marriage. Maybe loss of a job. That's a test. Or maybe, you know, uh, somebody took the position that you've been praying for. Or maybe you've been offended by a person in church. That's called the offense test. Have you been offended lately? Don't raise your hand. How did you fare? What did you do? How did you respond? How did you react? Did you retaliate? Did you put up a rant in Facebook? Did you put up some, you know, itong guy na to, blah, 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 blah. Or did you just pray to God, Lord, kunin mo na siya? No, di ba ganun, okay? Uh, bless mo siya, baguhin mo yung puso niya, parang ganyan, okay? Life is a test, and life is a series of tests. You go through life, just like Abraham. It's amazing how he actually survived this final test in his life. Even the book of James talks about tests. James chapter 1, verse 2 to 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of how many kinds? Many kinds. Let's read from verse 3 to verse 4. Everybody, 1, 2, 3. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Tests brings us perseverance. Perseverance brings us to maturity. Maturity, what does maturity mean? You're no longer a baby Christian. You're getting deeper in your walk with the Lord, right? What does complete mean? It means that you are able to finish well and able to finish strong. By the way, what's the difference between complete and finish? Did you know that? Difference of complete and finish. In the dictionary, it's just the same. To complete is to finish. To finish is to complete. But there's a big difference. If you find the right woman, you are complete. Yeah. If you found the wrong woman, you are finished. Yun ang difference nun. Hindi po tapos yun. If the right woman found you with the wrong woman, you are completely finished. And if you are married to a shopaholic, you are finished completely. Ubus ang pera mo. But anyway, so, yun ang difference nung dalawang words na yan. But anyway, so, we go through tests in life so that we may persevere and so that we may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Tests are made to bring us into a better us, to make us stronger, to find out what we're made of. Your faith will ultimately be tested by God. How many of you have faith? Pag naka-church ka, pag church ka, hindi ko rin may faith ka naman, no? Now, how many of you have faith? Please raise your hand. Lahat tayo, right? Your faith will be tested. I-determine ni Lord yan if your faith 
is real, if it's true, or if it's counterfeit. That's why God wants us to get ready every time we go through in life with a trial because tests will show our progress. Tests will also show our credibility and our quality of our walk with God. When God tests our faith, it is not to show how weak we are, but it is designed to show us what our faith is really made of. It's not meant to punish you. It's not meant to crush you. It's not meant to destroy you. Every time that you go through life's test, and God allows that test to come into your life, it is meant to build you up and to make sure that you become a stronger and a better Christian after that test. So here we see in verse 1, God tested Abraham. And God called Abraham, Abraham. And how did Abraham respond? What did he say? He said, here I am. Okay? You know, we were singing the song a while ago in, in Akasha. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. Or if you grew up in the 80s, here I am, the one that you love. Kung tumawa ka, matanda ka na. Anyway, so alam na alam mo yung air supply na yan. Anyway, so here I am comes from the Hebrew word henani. Hineni. Hineni, which means an expression of unconditional availability. That is what here I am means. That Abraham, when God called Abraham, he was ready to hear God and he was ready to respond. Lord, yes, Lord. What, do, what can I do for you, Lord? You know, he's ready because he's been going with God. He was walking with God all his life and he knew the voice of God. When God called him, he was ready. He was there. Here I am, God. What do you want me to do? And God has been revealing to Abraham himself all along the way until this final testing. Initially, God revealed it to, uh, himself to him as Yahweh as Elohim, and then God Most High. When He defeated all the kings, uh, you know, like led by Kedar Lomer, and He met the king of Salem named Melchizedek, God revealed Himself to Him as the possessor of heaven and earth. He was deliverer. He was protector. He was His right hand. Eventually, when He gave Him His son Isaac, He is now declared as the everlasting God. And now in His final test, as He's moving along with His walk with the Lord, God will reveal Himself to help in another realm, Jehovah Jireh. And every time that we go through life situation, guess what? God will reveal Himself to you in a most special way. You may be going through some sickness and you're believing for healing. Guess what? God will reveal Himself to you as Jehovah Rapha. He's your healer. You may be going through anxiety attacks or maybe depression and God wants to reveal Himself to you as the Prince of Peace. He's Jehovah Shalom. If you feel alone and you're lonely, God will reveal Himself to you as Jehovah Shama, right? Lagi mo siyang kashama. Ganun yun. So if you, you know, whatever situation you have in life, whether it's a testing, a failure, a mistake, or just plain and simple trials, God, as He is faithful to us, He will reveal Himself to us in that particular situation that you're going through in, our, in your life. Don't resist the testing of God. Allow it to happen because you will discover Him more in your walk with Him. There are three different tests that we want to look at in this particular text. Okay, very quickly. Number one is the test of love. Everybody say test of love. How many of you are in love? In love, ke Lord. In love, ke Lord. Yeah. 
Okay? God wants to test ultimately our love for Him. And so, this particular test that God is now bringing Abraham into, He said to him, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. In fact, this is the first time that the word love is mentioned in the Scripture. And every time a word is mentioned for the first time, it's called the first mention principle, it somehow shows you how that can actually be the starting point of a deeper meaning as revealed through the Scripture. So what was the context of this first time that love was mentioned? It was that love between Adam and Eve. In fact, Adam and Eve were married in the garden. Remember Adam and Eve? That's the first marriage. Love was not mentioned there. In Genesis chapter 4, it was mentioned, and Adam knew Eve. He didn't say, and Adam loved Eve. He knew Eve. And they were intimate. God placed them together. But the first time that love was mentioned was between a father and a son. And somehow that shows us how much deep or weighty is this kind of love that God is actually showing us the relationship of a father towards a son and how a father's willingness to sacrifice his beloved son on Mount Moriah is the way it was put into context as the love of Abraham towards Isaac. Isaac was a gift from God to Abraham. And if the gift becomes more important than the giver, something's wrong here. And God wanted to test Abraham, whether Abraham's heart is still bent towards God or is now bent towards the son of promise. God is a God of faithfulness and he gave him, you know, he's, he's someone who will not, you know, get back whatever is given to us. But he just wanted to test where we are. You know, if you look at this, Maybe you're asking, Lord, what kind of command is this? Why will I go to, you know, and he said this, go to a land of Moriah, offer him there as a what? A burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. They're so familiar with burnt offerings. They're so familiar with, you know, they taking a lamb as an offering. And what they will do before they offer is they will dismember the parts of the body of the lamb they will, you know, cut the legs, cut the head, cut the, you know, the feet, cut you know, the body, and in different parts. And then they will burn that particular lamb as a burnt offering, an aroma pleasing to the Lord. And what God is saying to Abraham is, in the same way that you're doing a lamb offering, do that to your own son. How many of you know that this is, it doesn't make sense. But how come Abraham's response to, response to God is obedience? Because he knew that the God who gave him the promise is a God that he can trust. Ultimately, it's all about relationships. He knew his God, and he trusted his heart, and he trusted God's motive for him. He knew that God is a good God, and he knew that his motive for him is not just for him and his family, it's for the future generation. He knew that, that God is a faithful God to his promise. Love test. I love my family, but I love God more in order for us to pass that test. And I think 
Abraham did it. So in verse 3, it says, Abraham rose early in the morning. Everybody say, early in the morning. Saddled his donkey. And what this words mean, early in the morning, it means immediate obedience. It seems like when God spoke to Abraham, there's no delay. He prepared everything. He prepared the elements of the sacrifice. And then early the next day, he went on a three-day journey in order for him to sacrifice his own son. Think with me for a moment. Now, if you read a story like this, you know, because it's so familiar, sometimes we miss out the elements of the story. You know, we just, okay, Abraham went to the mountain, and then, okay, there's a lamb, and okay, they went down, and that's it. But have you ever imagined the emotions of Abraham the night before they actually left for the sacrifice? What was Abraham thinking? What was Abraham feeling? He was probably looking at his son Isaac as he was sleeping. And he said, oh, this is the last time I'm going to see my son. He was probably imagining the time when he was spending uh, with this young man. When he was still a boy, they're playing Nintendo and they're playing bike. And they're actually, you know, when he was, you know, now a, a little bit older, they're not, not playing PUBG or whatever. And they're playing, you know, whatever. They're watching Netflix together. They're sharing memories. And he's remembering the fact, you know, he's holding his hair. Oh, I, I'll miss this curly hair. You know, I'll miss his wedding. I'll miss his future. I don't know what's running into his mind. What kind of pain and agony. Can you imagine? Abraham was probably thinking, how will I strike the knife? Will I go to the side? Will I go for the heart? You know, he's thinking about all these things. Another question that came to my mind as I was studying is, did Abraham tell Sarah about this? Maybe not. <laughs> Can you imagine? If you told your wife, what will your wife do? I talagang kick you in the face and at the same time, maybe escape with Isaac. And you lost your, your sacrifice. But this is between him and his God. And he knew for a fact that God is wanting to reveal himself again as Jehovah Jireh, the one in a different aspect. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. So he gathered all the elements of the sacrifice. In other words, he just obeyed. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. It took three days for him to go from his home to the place of sacrifice. Can you imagine what they were talking on the road? I don't know about the conversation there between Abraham and Isaac. Dad, I want to go to college. You know, I plan to, you know, attend this nice university here in, uh, you know, Beersheba University or whatever. I want to take culinary arts or maybe I want to take computer science. I don't know what they were talking about. I mean, by the way, you know, Dad, I saw this girl. I want to get married someday. And in the mind of Abraham, what was he thinking? Don't think about that, son. You only have two days. <laughs> I don't know. But it was probably a painful experience just walking through that with his son Isaac. Three days of walking together with his son. He had every chance to turn back. But he went forward and obeyed his God. Test of love. Second test is the test of worship. Everybody say test of worship. Love was mentioned first in the story of Abraham and Isaac. And guess what? Worship was also mentioned first in the story of Abraham and Isaac. 
first mentioned principle. The act of sacrifice was an act of worship. And Abraham saw this maybe not as a test. Maybe he saw this as an opportunity to worship the God that he's serving. And he said to his servant, stay here with the donkey. Okay? While I and the boy go over there. And what did he say? We will worship. He saw this opportunity not as a sacrifice, not as a command or a chore, but as an opportunity for him to worship the Lord. Abraham's motivation as he goes to the place of sacrifice is simply this. He just wants to worship God. He knew that it's going to be a painful one, but yet despite the pain, he chose to worship the Lord. He will worship God no matter how difficult and painful it may be. Remember Job, when he lost his business and he lost all his children, his first response in Job chapter 1 verse 20 was, he worshiped the Lord there. And he declared these words, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will return. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He chose to worship God in the midst of his pain. And I believe that God wants us to learn from this experience. That when you go through some of life's painful journeys, instead of you complaining or questioning God, let's just respond in worshiping the Lord. Amen. Ultimately, God wants us to worship Him. The ultimate reason of life's journey is worship. And we see that in our life. It may be you going tomorrow to your office and you're hit by traffic. Instead of you complaining and cursing the traffic, just worship the Lord. Amen? It may be tonight you're going back home and you, know, you're, you're, you have a problem in, in your family, a situation there that you discover, just worship the Lord. Worship in the midst of life's most difficult situation. What's interesting is Abraham did not just declare that he wanted to worship the Lord, but he also declared prophetically that they will worship the Lord and then we will come back to you. Not just me, not just alone, but even with my son coming back together here meeting you. And he's talking to the servants there. A declaration of faith and God's faithfulness to his promise. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. At this point, it was only him and Isaac that are walking up the mountain. He told his servants, wait here, we'll come down here, we'll just go worship the Lord. So what he did was he put the wood on the back of Isaac. So Isaac was carrying the wood. Isaac was, again, maybe a young adult by this time. He's no longer a five-year-old boy. How can you carry that you know, big wood? You know, but he's maybe a grown man by this time. And Abraham took in his hand the fire and the knife, so they went, both of them, together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am. Here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, they're here. But where is the lamb for the offering? He's doing a checklist because Isaac was so used to sacrifice. Wood, check. Fire, check. Knife, check. Lamb, lamb. Did we forget anything, Dad? We forgot the lamb. God will provide. Don't worry about the lamb, my son. God will provide. 
So they went both together. The last test was the test of obedience. Test of love was there when he was willing to give up his son. Test of worship was there in the midst of the possibly most difficult situation Abraham wanted to worship. And now the test of obedience. When he had every chance to turn back. There's no lamb, Lord. I'm going to get a lamb. Let's go back, son. He went straight and he went forward. In verse 9, it says, When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar. He built it with his own hands. I don't know how long it took him. He put one stone over the next, another stone on top of the other, until the altar was built. And then the Bible says, And he laid the wood in order, and he bound Isaac, his son. Now let me ask you this question. How old was Abraham during this time? 100 plus years old. How old was Isaac? Possibly 20 plus, maybe almost 30. Who's stronger at this point? Isaac is probably stronger, yet he was willing to go on with the sacrifice that God demanded of his father. At this point, I see not just one surrender, but two surrenders. Abraham surrendered his son, Isaac, before the Lord, and Isaac was willing to surrender his life before the Lord in order for his father to fulfill his part of the bargain. And he probably knew that God has never failed his dad. And he also is learning in his faith walk with journey, in his journey with the Lord. Your faith will show up in your act of obedience. Is our faith real? Are we willing to move on forward and obey God despite the difficult situation that we are in? And here we see Abraham, ready with a knife. I don't know what he was trying to do. He was probably, you know, feeling, you know, where is the best spot for my son? Na isang strike lang. Can you imagine? Kailangan to isang blow lang, di ba? Kasi pagka na-miss niya, masakit yun, di ba? If he hit the, the thigh, if he hit the, the arms, okay? So he was probably aiming for the heart. So as he was lifting up his knife, what happened? There is another voice that came. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, and as he was about to strike Isaac, Abraham, Abraham. Can you imagine? God is always in the right timing. He always comes in perfect timing. Pero kuwari, si Abraham matatokotin, Yes, Lord! Yeah, ready, ba? Acha-cha! Abraham, Abraham, he said, Here I am, again, for the third time. Abraham said, Here I am. He was absolutely ready to listen to the voice of God. And then he said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. And that is enough for God to know. He has proven at this point that Abraham loved him more than he loved his son. And this was even before the Mosaic law, wherein God gave the law to Moses, wherein he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And God somehow saw that in the heart of Abraham, that he loved him beyond anything else. 
even over his love for his son. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead. Everybody say instead. Instead of his son, a substitutionary offering instead of his own son. And here we see God's provision manifest because Abraham took the leap of obedience in moving up on one side of the mountain. God actually sent the ram on the other side of the mountain. And as he was walking up on one side, guess what? God's provision was coming up on the other side to actually meet the one who has given the promise. Amen? That's how our God is. Come on, I'll give the Lord a praise. And that's what provision is all about. Provision comes from two words, pro video, to see ahead. Because God saw ahead. He's willing to obey. And because He was willing to obey, the provision is waiting for Him. I believe the provision was already there, even as they arrived at that place. And how many of you know that if you and I will just obey the Lord, God's provision is going to be waiting for us at that place? Amen. Come on now. Just obey. Just obey the Lord. It's always a test of how much we trust in the Lord and obey His word. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 to 19, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. And here we see that Isaac ultimately know who God is. That he is a God of promise. Not only was he faithful to do his promise, but he is able to do anything so that his promise can be fulfilled in Isaac and his posterity. God tests us not to break us, but to bring out the best us. I believe when you and I go through testings in life, it's not meant to punish you. It's not meant to destroy you. It's meant so that there can be a better you. Just a few more verses. When Isaac was asking his father Abraham, Behold, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb? And Abraham declared, God will provide for himself the lamb. And true enough, that same day, at that very hour, that very moment, God indeed provided for him. But I believe that as Abraham was declaring, God will provide for himself the lamb, he was talking about two things. One, he was declaring that God was providing himself a lamb for that sacrifice. And several centuries later, God also will provide for humanity the perfect lamb for the ultimate sacrifice of all. And this is where we see John the Baptist say uh, the next day when he saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We see that several centuries later, whatever Abraham has declared has also come to pass in the person of Jesus Christ. Isaac's sacrifice reminds us of the great and better sacrifice in Jesus Christ. And there are so many similarities and parallelism between Isaac and Jesus. Isaac was a son of promise born to a woman who could not have children. Jesus was also a promised son 
born to a virgin who shouldn't have children at that time. It was said of Isaac that he is the son, the only son that Abraham loved. And God also declared that of his son, Jesus, this is my son whom I love, in whom I am well pleased. Abraham led his son Isaac on the mountain. Jesus was led by the Spirit and the will of God on the mountain of Golgotha. Abraham, oh sorry, Isaac carried the wood on his back on which he was to be sacrificed. Jesus carried the wood of the cross on his back on which he was to be crucified. Isaac was silent as his father was about to sacrifice him. Jesus was also silent as his father told him to obey his human sacrifice for all mankind. On the mountain at the top of the time of sacrifice, Isaac did not fight back but willingly surrendered himself to the will of the Father. In the same way, Jesus did not fight back, did not retaliate. He could have actually released myriads of angels against the centurions at that point, but he submitted himself solely to the will of the Father. There were so many similarities in the life of Isaac and Jesus, and yet they converge, or sorry, they diverge or become separate in one particular detail. God provided a ram for the sacrifice instead of Isaac, and Isaac was saved. But Jesus became the perfect lamb for God's substitutionary sacrifice and died on our behalf so that you and I may be saved. Isaac was saved. Jesus died. But yet we know that three days later, He rose again from the dead. And here we can see two stories of how much God wanted to reveal Himself to us as the loving Father who wanted to save humanity. Just as the blood of the innocent ram during the time of Abraham flowed down from the mountain, so also the blood of Jesus flowed down from that cross, saving humanity so that whosoever puts their faith in the finished work of Christ on that cross will be declared righteous and right and forgiven before our Heavenly Father. Amen. That is the ultimate sacrifice, I believe. The perfect sacrifice that we ought to thank God and remember every single day. Let's bow our heads right now as we pray. Maybe some of us are here today and God wants us to surrender an Isaac. Maybe you have an Isaac in your life and God wants to ask that particular situation, that thing in your life that you probably idolized and He's setting up an altar before us. If that is you, with all eyes closed, every head bowed down, just go and lift up your hand. If there's any eyes up, whatever it is, it may be your job, it may be your career, it may be your relationship, it may be your finance, whatever it is, it may be your dream for the future. If there's anything that God wants you to lay down, let's lift it up before the Lord right now. I believe God wants us to prove Himself faithful that yes, you may try to withhold it, but ultimately, if that's God's promise, He'll give it back to you. But He wants to test us whether our heart is fully submitted to Him. Father God, we just lift up to You our hands and lay down to You our Isaacs. Thank You, Lord God, that even today, as we lay down our lives afresh, as we surrender to You our lives, we thank You, Lord God, that ultimately, every part of our body, Lord God, every part of our system would be pleasing to You, Lord, May our hearts 
Lord God, just be bent towards worshiping the Lord. And I thank you, Lord God, there's nothing in our life, not your gift, not our accomplishment, not our dreams, would be considered even higher in our devotion towards you, Lord God. And so I thank you, Lord, even today, as we lay down these things before your altar, Lord, take it, God. And I thank you, Lord God, that you'll be the one to resurrect it in the proper time, God. And may, you, Lord, we open up our hearts to you afresh. And I pray that there's not one bit of idolatry that will remain in our hearts even today, God. Allow us to have a heart of Abraham, Lord God, to have a heart fully devoted to you, Lord God, so that we can be considered friends of God. Thank you, Lord God, for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.